while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Chris McCarthy. As always, Marcus Farrow is here as well. So, Marcus, let me just... Um, we just had one candidate call in on the phone. Folks, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give everybody the opportunity to just make a quick call in, announce you're running, yes. give, a, give a contact information for the y voters out there. Yes. Then we'll get you in like we just had with Sean. Um, because Sean had an opportunity to call into Barry's. Right. So I coordinated that with Barry. Right. Yeah. So... You can call in and we'll give you a quick, you know, quick little bit of time. You know, it's not a lot of time, but then we'll have you in for a long form interview. Yes. We're just trying to get everybody off on the same level playing field. You know, just give your website out or your phone number, whatever the hell you want yeah. to give out. Like when Robert Barmley wanted to call in to announce. Right. So call in and he called in for like two, three minutes, announced right. his candidacy. That right. was it. And I told him we're going to have him back in. Right. So we're trying to give everybody some opportunities here. Um, you may always, you may not feel that it's enough of an opportunity right away, but don't worry, there's going to be more time. Well, for the polar plunge. Here's how I plan to do it. This is how I plan to do it. I plan to give everybody an opportunity if they want it to call in and announce, and then afterwards, I plan uh, have them in for a long form interview, like a half hour, like we just had Mr. Oliver on for, and then that's during the this this month in December. And then after in January, have them on again after the campaign's developed a little bit. So everybody's going to get their time. Everyone's going to get their time and their opportunity to share their stories and their platform. For most of you, we just heard about you. Yes. How would we know to have had you on? Right. And, and we're trying to be as fair as possible. I think I think Mark is being extraordinarily fair. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because I'm, I'm really interested in this Painfully race. fair, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's the format. So if you get if you want to if you're a Ward Three resident, you want to call in and announce, and then we'll have you in for a long form interview. I really look forward to talking with you and hearing what you want to bring to the seat. But boy, the field is really starting to shape up. It really is, and I think that you've got to getting to really shape up. I know. It's really it's it's going to be competitive. Both it's going to be very competitive. Frankly, the last one. Wasn't all that competitive. No, it wasn't. It was This one's going to be competitive. If we have to drag you over the finish line, we're gonna make it competitive. We're gonna yeah, exactly. So this is It's an interesting development, Marcus. This is the first city council election since the advent of this program. This is the first city council election since the advent of, the, of this program, and it's happening after That's all That's why state. it's truly a special election. Exactly. That's what <laughs> makes it special. That's the legal definition of right. it. Right. So um but we 
we're, you know, we'll talk about that more uh, if you want at 508-996-0500. I see some calls online. We'll get to them in a second. 508-996-0500. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that more. And uh, we'll talk about some other stuff that's going on. Um, we have that caller calling back. You want to talk he about, to talk a few about things. Yeah, reparations, Ukraine, Yeah, Ukraine, and he was talking about reparations. It sounded like it would be an interesting conversation. He'll call back. I do. He's he's a regular caller, and I appreciate when he calls in. Yeah, I like and, him. And so, uh, and there's also, this is also the 59th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. That always brings up a lot of interesting conversation. I um, wait all year for this. Exactly. <laughs> so we're really. going to so we're gonna talk about that as well. So 508-996-0500. We've got some calls on the line. Let's get to them. Good evening. Hi, fellas. How you doing? Good. How, how are you? you? Good. I just, I'm not a candidate for the, the, <laughs> the Ward Street Council seat. I just did want to quickly uh, reference something that you spoke of late in the last hour. You mentioned about the golf course and the project. Pro, oh, yeah. Uh, I recognize pro- your voice. Yeah. Yeah. Proposed for the course. Um, I think one or both of you mentioned that there's not any support for the project amongst golfers. And I think uh, that's an incorrect uh, perception. Okay. Um, two years ago, in February of 2021, a letter was uh, introduced to the city council with the signatures of a majority of the members of Wailing City Golf Course. And, I, and as an advocacy letter, our position was that uh, the golf course, no matter what the condition, no matter whether there's a park there or no park there, it should be an 18-hole facility. Okay. That's the, that's the crux of the matter. In other words, if you're going to have a golf course in the world today, and 75% of the courses in the United States, and the United States has almost half the courses in the world, are 18-hole facilities. They're not, a nine-hole course is not a functional or profitable way in which to introduce golf to any area or for, to propagate the game. Okay. So that was our position. The signatures are on file. It, it went to the city council, I, I think it was in maybe the second or third week of February of 2021, and they put it on file as an initiative petition from uh, residents and interested parties. So to say that the golfers are, are not in favor of the project, I think is technically not true. Okay, I and, appreciate and the, it, but I, and, I'm and stand the corrected. put their name, and, and I would say that's very important. They weren't just talking to someone on the street saying they weren't in favor. They were writing their name and address and signing it. And that's a significant elevation of commitment to something rather than just shooting your mouth off on the street corner. Yes. I remember you You, you were a regular caller to my program um, a couple of years ago when this prog- program Correct. first, yep. uh, you know, came, when this, this project first came about. In fact, I always thought you were maybe our former district attorney, but I found out you aren't. No, um, no. I, I had a lower <laughs> echelon position in the government. <laughs> but I did enjoy our conversation, so I do stand corrected. So you, you folks are not in favor of the project no, as no, it's I designed. I said we're in favor of... An Whatever remains on, at the facility, okay. that, that Hathaway Road facility, whether there's, a, whether there's a park there or not, that it should be 18 holes. That's the only way it would be viable. Okay. In other words, you, you wouldn't build half-court basketball courts all over the city. <laughs> you build full-court basketball courts all over the city because that's the way the game is played. I still think you're, the, I still think you're Paul Walsh. <laughs> but anyway. no, no, I, I, do not, I went to school with Paul when I was in elementary school, but I'm not, I'm not he. Because you talk just like him. But anyway, it's true. You would not build half-court uh, basketball courts all over the city. Correct. Right. You wouldn't Correct. do that. People build those in their backyards. Cause yes. Of the, cause of, and the facility is more than capable of handling the project, the, the industrial park end of the project, and the golf course part of the project, okay? okay? Now, having said that, individuals on their own are allowed to have their opinion. Correct. Our letters focus specifically on the golf orientation of the project only. So the um, yeah so 
as I understand it, the mayor is insisting this will be an 18-hole golf course. It's the only way. It's, yeah. it's the only way that any anyone would come in. The present op, uh, operators have told people that they would not be interested in running a nine-hole course. That's well known. Right. Okay, because it's not profitable. You cannot. It's, it, and even if you ran it as an enterprise of the city, you'd want it to be profitable, and it's not. It would not be profitable as a night. You have leagues that you can't, you have to have night leagues on the weeknights, and and you have to have open facilities for the, the schools to play there. It, it's not a. It, in other words, the the number of nine and eighteen hole courses were equal around 1973 when I began playing there. Okay. Okay. The number of eighteen holes courses has tripled. And the number of nine-hole courses has stayed the same in the last 50 years. So what does that tell you about the market? Right. And you don't have to be a genius to understand that people do things because they're profitable to them and they're advantageous to them be continuing as a going concern. Otherwise, you'd have all nine, nine-hole courses around if they, were, if they were more profitable or right. more viable than 18-hole course. Well, well your voice is going to be important in this conversation because it's going to be coming up regularly when we have these candidates coming through. And, and I, I, I haven't heard it phrased in a way, essentially what you're saying is your advocacy for an 18-hole golf course is in fact an advocacy for this project to meet its full potential. Yeah, and, and, and I'm a golfer, and my, my interest is in the golf course being a going concern. If you're a golfer, you like to play golf, you need courses to play. <laughs> right. And yes, there's a, yes. there's a dearth of courses around. Yeah. There's been no course in this area in the last 40 years that has gone from 18 holes to nine, but there's several that have gone from 19, nine to 18, Rochester, Lakeville. You want me to keep going? Please. There's, and there's a brand new course in a cushion. It, was, it wasn't built as a nine hole course. They didn't build it that way because it wouldn't have made the money. Right, right. So they don't go backwards. You'd be, it would be a, a move backwards in terms of viability of golf in the area. And God knows, New Bedford, with its history in the, in the, golf, the golf, New Bedford is a capital of the, of the golf industry in the world, and people it's don't true. really realize that. That's a good point. I mean, when a Kushner company sneezes, the golf, golf world has a cold. That's right. Yeah, okay, that's right. So there you go. I'll they're, never they're forgive Tiger Woods. in the golf business. I'll never forgive Tiger Woods for well, abandoning he, us. <laughs> no, but that's been the history of the, uh, that's a corporate decision. Yes, but, no, I know. Yeah. So that, that's, the, that's the crux of the matter. Well, listen, I appreciate your voice on this matter, and so I encourage you to call in as we get these candidates coming through because I think you, you can educate them for those who don't know much. This, this other gentleman, Sean, seemed to know quite a bit about it. Well, that's good. I'm glad yeah. he's interested. He's that's a golfer, the, yeah. And he lives in the neighborhood, yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting, and I think that the viability of the course is what interests people that play golf. Yes. And whether there's a park there or not, well, you know, I'm sure individually had their own opinions, but I didn't. We didn't explore that. We just explored the idea of the the golf end of the proposition. Hey, thanks so much for your call. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Have a good night. Appreciate you too. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get on the program. We've got more calls on the line. Let's get to them. Good evening. Good at a good evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's, what's up, going Mike? On, Mike? How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Great. How are you? Great. Great. Couldn't be better. <laughs> I just want to let you, you know, I, I don't call too much anymore unless it's local stuff. Sure. And I just want to let you guys know, though, that this show is tremendous. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate that. It really is. It's uh, I haven't heard stuff like this since the real old days when politics in New Bedford was. Uh, when we still had bingo games to campaign at. Hey, my father was the king of bingo. I remember. He had every place. I remember. Yeah, that's the good old days. But anyway, uh, 
I just wanted to let you know that uh, I, I find you guys did a tremendous job with the last election. With Thank the you. Sheriff Thanks. And Thanks. Thanks. All the state rep races. It, it, it was fantastic. And the part about it is the knowledge that you allow the people, the voting public, to hear from all the candidates. And you allow them to make their case of why they should be elected. The, all the cards are out on the tape. Nothing's better, guys. Nothing's Thank you. Better. Thanks. Really appreciate it, Mike. Thank you, Mike. And uh, I just want to wish you guys a nice uh, Thanksgiving. You too. You as well. Thanks, guys. You, you too, brother. Thanks. Night. Thank you, Mike. Thank, Thank you. you. That was a nice call. I appreciate those calls. Look, I really do appreciate it because he, he he understands what we're, what we're doing and he appreciates it. And I, I know there's a lot of people out there that do. So... Um, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. We've got more calls. Good evening. Good evening, guys. How you doing today? Good. Hey, doing? what's hey, up, Tom? Tom? Well, did, did I hear Dana uh, uh, is running for Ward 3 again? And, and is she... Well, she well, well, so Dana Dana lives in... Dana's a Ward 4 counselor, or was a Ward 4 counselor. But I, I'm, I'm going to say... I. I can say this because it's out in public. I drove by Dana's house today, not because she lives on County Street. So I drove. I was driving down. <laughs> no, I drove right. by Dana's house. No, right. I drove down County Street and I did see a Beth photo sign on her out, out, out in front of her property. So, so, so she's still a resident of Ward Four, is what you say? Yeah, she's yes. still she's still a resident of Ward Four. As far as I know, she's still a resident of Ward okay. Four. Well, this is what I think on the Ward Three race. It. it, it uh, Whoever it is could be the hero of the city. And by that, I mean, if they're willing to step out and say, look, the methadone clinic should be located at the complex in the Hicks-Logan area, which is outside uh, neighborhoods, centrally located, and actually sit down and try to negotiate uh, uh, with the gentleman that, that is trying to get uh, that thing started uh, so that we can avoid a court case and... Uh, remove it from the downtown area. I mean, everybody in the city wants that to happen. And uh, if a candidate for Ward 3 is willing to step out and say that, they could turn around and have the biggest fundraiser any ward council has ever had by inviting all the people who have spent their lifetimes building up the downtown area, uh, creating the National Park, you know, supporting the Whaley Museum, the Downtown Action Committee, all of it, and, and and charge them a hundred bucks a plate. You'd get a thousand people there yeah. to, to support. Yeah, this is this is an opportunity for someone to step forward in Ward Three, and they could be the hero of the city. And that's the way I'm looking at the Ward Three race. Um, the it's an interesting approach. Yeah, to it. I I'm not sure. I I'd have to look to see. Um, I think you're right if you say taking on the chin or stepping forward and trying to own the issue might be helpful. You wonder what your opponents in the race would say, though. Well, that, that, that's okay. And you, and you have to be, begin to develop that tough skin. But it's a heck of a lot better than what the current city council did. Yeah, and we oh, all know that. Yes, you yes. Know, they blew it. And, uh, and now this thing could end up downtown. What a shame that would be. You know, I agree and that's, with you. that's the, uh, the that's your response to those people that may want to chastise you saying, oh, you're bringing a methadone clinic into Ward 3. Well, guess what? 
It's better than having it downtown. And that Hicks Logan area has been neglected for so long yeah. that 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 and, and I understand there's potential plans and all that stuff, but th- there is mill space there, and it's a perfect place. And once these things get started, they're not obtrusive to the public. No, they really the exi- aren't. They really the, are. the existing ones are, are, are run and manage uh, pretty well, as far as I can see. And if there is that need, we as a society should support it. And most people do. Uh, and uh, I, I don't think that would be a big negative in the campaign. But certainly that golf guy was real interesting. I remember when he came out back when you had the show, Chris. Yes, and yes. there was like a demand to make sure that the city committed to building whatever holes they lost, they were going to be replaced. I, I remember that conversation. I thought that was a great idea. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, yeah, he, he, he's an important guy, too. I think his but, uh, voice is very important in this election because he really understands that issue. That's right. That's correct. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting race because you guys are doing what you do, doing the due diligence. And I ain't blowing smoke at you, but <laughs> Thanks, have, a, have, a, have a good Thanksgiving. You, you guys too. are great. Thank, Thank you, you. You too. Yeah, so it is going to be, I mean, it comes at a time when that is the central focus of what's going on in the city, too, is, is the um, is the is advanced manufacturing campus. So I do think Tom is right that in the sense that it would be a loss for the whole city to have a methadone clinic at the current proposed location. Yeah. That it would be bad for the whole city. Not to add an additional including methadone the, Including clinic. the service, the population it is intended to service. So I think that's a very important part, Marcus. Yeah. Because, it, folks, just if you, haven't, if you haven't heard us discuss it before, but the idea to have people queued up, uh, standing in line on one of the busiest roads in our city, yeah. um, being gawked at like animals, right? Yeah, like, right. like zoo animals, um, which is just a natural thing to have happen. It's, right. It it's shouldn't happen. It shouldn't, but, but it's, it's the way it, it does. Is. Yeah. It's hard enough to get people to go into treatment, never mind to put them on public display. So um, 508-996-0500, we're continuing to get calls, uh, so we will take them. Good evening. Hi. Hey. Hey, buddy. Yeah, just a comment. If I'm not mistaken, you have, I don't know if you still do. My brother and sister live in the bed. They're probably not more up on this, but... Don't you have a tattoo parlor liquor store in a pawn shop? But you can't you can't have a methadone clinic, which is about recovery. Oh no, we've got a bunch of methadone clinics. No, there there are there are methadone clinics. There's there's two methadone. So my understanding is there's definitely two of them. I've talked to experts in the addiction field locally, and they've said that I think actually, there are six. Yeah, so there might be. Yeah, so yeah. there are six. There's probably two main ones. But but the point the point is right now. That and I've talked to again. I've talked to addiction experts in the in, in, in locally, and what they've the consensus I think is that this is actually a need that's being fulfilled. There's two to three thousand people in the city that are currently receiving uh, methadone treatment, and they're able to access methadone. It is not a growing demand in the city. It's one that's being met now. I don't know if RCA, it's the business that they're in, maybe has better numbers on that, and maybe they do. Um, but mm-hmm. in, in either way, I don't think the city is opposed to a methadone clinic, and we're definitely not opposed to another methadone no, clinic. No, no. It's the Just location. The pure location. Yeah, I understand the location. Yeah. in the parking because most people well, drive in. And that's important to note, too, is that the Zoning Board of Appeals denied it on the basis of uh, its limited accessibility because there is... I, listen, I worked over there. Uh, I, my office was on, on Union Street for the first couple years of my uh, legal career, and uh, it is incredibly difficult to find parking there. Right. 
It is. And it makes it, I think, what uh, I think um, perhaps uh, if there's a need for emergency services, uh, difficult to access as well. I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat and look at my crystal ball. And I'm going to go on your side of the argument and say, yeah, if the methadone clinic does go downtown, it's going to become high volume over a period of months. and might dry up the ones that are on the outskirts. Yeah. And so what you're going to have is the Walmart of methadone going on in Main Street. So uh, I'm looking at it from your, your point of view. And what you're going to have, you're going to have a, a, not a desirable group of people. I don't. I listen, mean, listen. I don't want to say and drive in and out. They're fine. Listen, you're going to have the ones that are they're going to be hanging around. No, all day. No, listen, I want to shy away from saying any particular group of people are more more or less desirable than others. Uh, no, I'm it's, not it's shy not, away from it's, because it's reality. Well, it's not. That's not the. That's not the. I, I don't think that's what's any. I, I don't think that's the central argument being put forward for people who oppose the methadone clinic in the business district that. of the city. I. Th- it's not. It has nothing to do with them uh, believing that you know certain people only have a right to access that area or should be around that area. It's just a matter of is this the best area for the population that uh, needs methadone. To be serviced is that union is that uh, Union Street in New Bedford, and I think a lot of people are saying no, and it's not just for the benefit of people who work in New Bedford or whatever, because some certain people are more or less desirable than others. It's actually for the people who are being uh, who 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 need that service as well. That it's I not the ideal I, location for them. So I actually, the, I actually see it your way. The, the reality so is, of it is that, interject one point. And yeah. This is another segue tinfoil hat comment. Um, the methadone clinic is to addiction and a bad location. Well, let me scrap that. Let's put it straight out there. Tent City can exist where it exists, but a methadone clinic can't. I don't think there's any place in any city for a tent city. I, I agree with you. Okay? I think that's the problem to tackle at the same time you're tackling the methadone situation because I have this sneaking suspicion that Tent City has a drug problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I, I would agree with you. Yeah. Um, the so reality of it is, is that... Mop out, you take the mop out and clean it up. But if you're going to sweep it, get a bigger rug and just sweep it. Because you're not even going to have John Mitchell much longer before he at least scoops him up. So uh, I, I would be, if I was a Republican, I'd be putting together somebody who's a conservative candidate who just might get some votes. And, and uh, when that election comes along, I mean, everybody's talking about the one with Dunn right now, but how about the one with the man that's going to be coming up? Well, yeah, we, we still, um, you know, I, I, I'd asked Mitchell when he came in if he was running again, and he, um, he politely declined to answer. Uh, That's right. There's your answer right there. I'm leaving town, baby. <laughs> but he's sitting on 200 grand. The thing is, is, is he's you sitting on 200, he's sitting on 200 grand. Like disappearing? He's, he's sitting on 200 grand of campaign money, and on top of that, there's a, still a, a treasure trove of federal money coming in that he can... Um, administer that he basically has carte blanche over uh, if he continues another four-year term, plus the development of offshore wind, which he might want to see through. So there's reasons for him to definitely stick around, even though he's been around for a while. And we haven't heard well, of any formal opponents, any, any any formidable opponents yet. Come on, don't Jane say you remind you of Jane Swift. Remember when, remember when she was... She, I do. Everybody loves the women, right? How She got treated worse than the human scum. And, and then, oh, she wears the same dress every day, blah, blah. And this is a democratic <laughs> state, and they did that to her. Yeah. And they didn't give her a break at all. Nobody triumphed over the fact well, that she, she was Wasn't she woman. flying her helicopter to North Adams every day? Yes. Well, not <laughs> every day, but just on weekends. <laughs> yeah. Because the kids were sick. She had to beat the uh, Thanksgiving traffic. Isn't it appropriate? I wonder what she's doing this Thanksgiving. <laughs> but anyway, she took a million point two. 
when she left the office, and they were strapped. Her and her husband were out in Western Massachusetts. He was a bluebird so farmer. They started doing shindigs and everything else that was technically political. Uh, we're going to form a study, and, that, and they had lavish parties. And in order to uh, have these lavish parties, they had to buy elegant furniture. And it was amazing how she spent that $1.2 million and disappeared and vaporized and vanished. And I think that's what's going to happen to Mitchell. He's going to get lost. If you don't become a bureaucrat hiding under the wing of, of Healy, uh, it seems to uh, me... He's I think quite the opposite. I think he's got a, a political future in front of him. Yeah. I think he's just trying to, trying to make, you know, discover the roadmap to it, really. Right. Um, I, I, I don't think John Mitchell think is in, in any way like Gene Swift, really, quite frankly. Hey. I think you nailed something there. And I'd also like to say these Democrats who are so liberal and everything, why would they run a Democrat, a loose Democrat, who was mayor of Attleboro, and, and the guy wins? He wins. He beats a stellar individual who has a record and resume up one side and down the other yeah. of accomplishment. And he happens to be conservative. Oh, no, he's a Republican. He happens to be conservative. Oh, he's oh. a Republican. And Markey comes That's in. That's how it and is, isn't it? Uh, anti-Semitic comments all over the thing. So Ed Markey, just to clarify, Ed Markey. There's so anyway, the Democrat wins. <laughs> and these people are for defunding police and they're running sheriffs. It's amazing to me. Yeah. Well, what's amazing what is the voters bought it. Any more so. walls than a prison, and they're against walls in Texas. All right. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the call, man. Bye. I got to take this break. Thank you. About this Ward Three race and the issues around it, we're seeing a field take shape, and we're seeing now. You know, we had uh, Jake Ventura who. Um, has a really good resume. Yes, he's a very formidable candidate. Yeah, uh, a lawyer was a, was a legislative aide. Um, all of that, uh, all of that experience in the Department of Defense and all of that financial guy. Now you have, um, you know, you have Sean Oliver, who I think does a good job presenting a more like a, a sort of a relatability, which in local politics is everything. Very important. And um, yeah, Bob. Um Bob Cabral, who's a, who's who's uh, who served uh, in the armed forces and uh, is a, uh, has small, uh, decades of small business experience. Yep. So Kathy Daner, who was a former city councilor herself, she ran in the in the special election in 2017. Yep. So you're getting a lot. And I again, Bob I saw Bro that Bromley. I, I saw that Bob Bromley, who is a who is a he has a parade for God's sake. He, he's he organizes a parade. Yeah, and, and he's a curator of that Fort Tabor, or was the curator of the Fort Tabor Fort Rodman Mil Military Museums on the Veteran Advisory Board, and is a policy analyst in the Rhode Island State Senate, which you need to know your stuff if you if you have that job. So this field's really taking uh, shape. And I did see the, I mean, I, I, I couldn't not see. It. It's out there right on County Street, the Beth photo of what are you Ward 3 sign. I mean, I think... I think that that's, I think that's means she's going to run. I, I haven't heard anything from her specifically. I've heard, you know, stuff and I, I planned on reaching out. Um, uh, but I, I think that means she's probably going to run again. And she came in second in that competitive field last time. She did. She, she shocked everybody by coming in. She second. Did. I like Beth. She's a nice girl. Yeah. She got nice woman. Whatever she, she got standard times, uh, woman of the year. I think that following year for organizing the women's March and all of that. So she's a, it's, it's going to be. It's going to be a very crowded and competitive field here for for Ward. She was Street. appointed by the mayor to what the Human Rights Commission, I think. Yeah, she yeah. was. Yeah. So, um, so Bob's on the um, Veterans Committee, uh, Veterans Advisory Board, and has yeah. been for a long time. So you've got a couple ma potential couple mayoral appointments of the same administration. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. You know, I don't know if. Um, you know, Ian said he he's thinking about coming in and supporting a candidate, which I think brings a lot of votes and uh, maybe some campaign infrastructure as well. Yes. So if he I does, think Ian has the 
largest campaign fund uh, outside of the mayor in the city. Oh, yeah. the biggest one in the M- campaign. Morad's got a pretty big one. Um, I think Ian's bigger, though. Okay. I think Ian has more money uh, in his campaign account yeah. um, than anybody. And he's the number one vote getter in the city. Yeah. And so. he's got he he's got a group of people around him who are involved in campaigns. Yeah. So if, if he lends any of those people out, yeah, it could be a significant boost to a campaign should and, he decide to do it. And I think I think who who jumps in whoever jumps in next might have that sort of sort of organiza- organizational support. You heard Ian say there's another candidate that's going to roll out their announcement sometime soon as well. So it's gonna it's I think it's gonna be a very competitive field. Um, the one thing, Marcus, we haven't heard from yet is Mayor Mitchell interested in backing a candidate. Yeah, I haven't heard. You know, um, he he had told me when we had him on, he had told me. You know the types of candidates he's looking for. He's looking for somebody who, you know, who, who not necessarily the, like who he's looking to support, but the types of people he thinks would uh, he thinks he he wants a city councilor who can obviously do the what's called the pothole issues, which is constituent services responding to potholes and things like that, which is a big part of the job, and um, you know navigate the difficulties of and complexities of municipal government, right? Which. You and I know is it can be very difficult. Look, it's it's a very difficult job. It it takes a lot of work if you're going to do it right. Yes. Um, in fact, more work than I think the city councils admit to, um, yeah. because they just sound like they were complaining, which we don't want to hear, right? Yeah. But if I had if I had could could snap my fingers and give them a pay raise, I would. I think so because most of them really earn much more than that salary. Yeah. And um, I think they deserve it, but it's a very difficult thing to say, I want my money. I mean, you're seeing... I'll say it for them. Right. I think they do deserve more money as well. You've seen the Boston City Council increase their pay raise. They're, well, they're full-time jobs. Right. New Bedford City Council should at Plus least... Plus they have a staff. Plus they have staff. Right. They do. They have staff. And and uh, you'll see that in the, 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 the bigger cities that those... Those city councils or, or assemblies, I think in Chicago, it's aldermen, right? Aldermen, yes. Aldermen, they have, they actually have staff. Um, you know, and the city council has the office staff, which do a great job, but the, the, these city councilors in bigger places have direct staff. Right. The, these other city councilors, they're basically doing their own thing. They're a one-man show or one-woman show. So uh, it's it's going to be, uh, I mean, it, it's, I think I don't issue. think we need that in New Bedford, the staff. I don't think every councilor necessarily needs their own staff, and I, I think that would take a probably take away from a, a key component of their of their uh, you know My of point their marks, public yes, of their yes. public persona. Right. Um, you know, I'm thinking of the end who who does a lot of that constituent stuff. Um, so, but but I think uh, pay raise. I think they would. I I would I would definitely be supportive of that. I, I you know I'm supportive that of that here in Fairhaven too. I think actually you know not saying. You know, I should get paid as a member of the Board of Public Works, but I think the select board does a lot of work and could get paid more. You know, we gave our town moderator a modest pay raise, but that's really hard work. And I, I know a lot of people balk at, oh, well, you know, you know, pay raises for government hacks. But, you know, you, you're you know, they run your they run an entire government. Listen, you know? the, the people on the ground at the city council level, at the selectman level are far more important to your life. Than the very well-paid congressman and senators, okay? Yeah. I mean, having a bad member of a board of selectmen can really mess up your whole town. Yes. Um, City council is less so, but certainly a mayor can mess up your whole city. Yes. Um, So it it is important who you vote for, and it is important that you compensate them, quite frankly. Um, The um, But I I do agree, Mayor Mitchell is looking for someone... um, who he can work with. Yes. Right? Someone who's willing to work with him. Right. It shouldn't be that, 
shouldn't be that difficult. Should be a requirement of the job, right? Yeah. Um, you have to be a person who can, I guess, understand the complexity of it, understand the responsibility you have, yeah, and be very mature about it. Yes, exactly. Right? Mature. Yeah. You don't have to agree or even like each other. Right. But you have to work well, that's together. the whole thing is some people are like, oh, you know, everybody's not friends anymore. Like, I don't really care. You know, I remember, like, there was a whole thing in, in, in the fair haven. Like, oh, the select board members aren't friends. Like, I don't, care. I don't care if they're not friends. They just need to do the job. You know, when you, the problem with being friends is it's a violation of the open meeting law, quite frankly. It's a good point. <laughs> right? I it, mean, not for city council, but for select when it is. It can be. It can yeah. be anyway, right? It can be. If you have uh, a three-man board. If you have, three a three, if, yeah. you have a, if you have a three-person board, you can't talk about any business. Right. Right. Uh, at all. And yeah. you tell me you're not talking about business, please. You are always talking about right? business. That's, That's all you talk about. about. It yeah. absorbs your life. Um, the um, But I think that um, what three is going to have... An interesting decision to make. From what we're seeing so far, Marcus, it's a bounty of riches. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People, I hope they're going to utilize our program to make the case. Yeah. Right? And um, I think we've seen, you know, three, four candidates who have done that already. And uh, uh, I think um, uh, it's a direct line, I think, to to the, the people that are going to be voting in this election. I would say this as a piece of advice. If you're new to the political process and thinking about running, go back and listen to some of the... Um, candidates we interviewed in the past yeah you're getting a sense of how marcus operates and how i operate maybe what our priorities are yeah because we're going to be the ones asking you questions right right <laughs> so i don't care what you want to talk about you're going to talk about what i want to talk about but no it's not true i do care what you care about. but the point is is that you you you're not going to get away with not being informed yes right so you're going to know you got to know your stuff you please do your, do your homework before yes. you come in because i don't want to feel like a jerk but right. I'm willing to do that. But I'm willing to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and so is Marcus. I'm always willing to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. If you if you if you think you can come in and get by in platitudes, yeah, we're not here for that. <laughs> right. We're just not. So we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. New Bedford's News Talk Station, fourteen twenty WBSM. It's time to. They know the local issues from the inside out, and they call it like they see it. Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow are back with more South Coast tonight on WBSM. So, um, so Marcus, in the nine o'clock hour, we're going to talk Kennedy assassination. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wait all year for I'm this. Really I know excited. you do. Yeah, I'm really so, excited guys, about we, it. And we'll probably do more of it in the month and into next month. Let's do it if we're able to get. We we we're working on a really cool guest. We're, we're working on a yeah, if we can get a real like a great guest, that, like an like, unbelievable guest, like incredible, like you um, know. I don't even want to tease it. Because I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. But one of our regular sponsors has a contact that's unbelievable. Yeah. And he's working on it for us. And um, it's actually someone I was going to have on the program before I got sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad I can do it now with Marcus. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're going to try to put together a very incredible guest on the Kennedy assassination mm-hmm. for you guys. Um, we don't have them tonight. Instead, you just have us. But I know everyone out there has a theory on the Kennedy assassination. Yes. It's an amazing topic. It is an amazing topic. It's one of those things, too, that I think, you know, people talk about Watergate as, like, the first time people started to mistrust, like, the powers that be. But I really think the Kennedy assassination's really where it started. So I, I've heard this put this way, that the 1950s ended when Kennedy was assassinated. 60s. The 50s. Oh, okay, the, the, I get it. Now. America's innocence, the fifties. Oh, right, ended when I get Kennedy it now. got assassinated in sixty four, yeah. sixty three. Yeah, I thought you. I, I knew you knew when he was assassinated. Right. I thought you misspoke. No, 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 okay, no, no, okay, no. Yeah. yeah. So that that 
America yeah. lost its innocence when Kennedy Yeah, because the 50s was, you know, like a time of, like, great economic growth. Dwight Eisenhower was the president, right. General Eisenhower and all of that. And the it was country coming- changed after Kennedy died. Yes. Was killed, was murdered. Yes, and some people think that that was... You know, done Everyone's for gonna, that purpose. Right, right. It's, yeah. it's an amazing mystery. Yes. And there's a, there's a lot of scholarship on it, obviously. Yes. Um, there's a lot we haven't learned. Right. I mean, if you think about it, there's still records for some reason. Right. That are classified. There's still, and, and some of these records that have come out, people are just saying, well, these records were overclassified, you know? It's, it's amazing. Um. I think one, not to, please, I don't want to make this about Trump, but if you remember, Trump declassified yeah. some documents. In 2017. And I remember when they came out, because I, I really enjoy this mystery. Yeah. I shouldn't say enjoy is not the right word, but I read those documents. And as I've said to you before, Marcus, I think it was the first example of the FBI really screwing Trump. Yeah. Because within those documents, so he didn't read them before he declassified them. Of course not. It was 1,500 pages or something like that. He didn't read those. He just signed them. There were surveillance files on Martin Luther King. No kidding. Yeah. Surveillance files of yeah. Martin Luther King That's right. were given to Trump and he declassified them. Yeah. Right. Then they never should have saw the light yeah. of day. I'm talking about the stuff the FBI because, did. Because J. Edgar Hoover famously, you know, under you know, under Bobby Kennedy, but it, it's it's widely reported that J. Edgar Hoover really convinced Bobby Kennedy to authorize wiretaps on Martin Luther King and surveillance on Martin Luther King. Although Bobby Kennedy was a, a big fan of that. Yeah. That too. Of course. Bobby Kennedy was upset because Martin Luther King had some serious former members of the Communist Party around him. And they asked him to get rid of them. When at the White House meeting, they yeah. said, the Kennedys said, look, we're with you, but you can't have these guys with you. It gave the names. Yeah, yeah. Because those Southern senators, Democrats, are going to crucify you and yeah. us over it. Right. And they, he agreed, Martin Luther King agreed to get rid of a certain number of guys, and he brought them back. Right. He didn't notify the Kennedys he was bringing them back, and that's what J. Edgar Hoover went to Bobby and said. Yeah. You you agreed he was going to get rid of these guys, and they yeah. didn't anyway. And then they, my, you know, they wrote, wrote a letter to him trying to convince him to kill himself. And it was that. unbelievable. Yeah, what the FBI did, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah it was, But what I, my point is because we're not excusing what the FBI did. To no, 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 no. Believe me, I'm not. Yeah. But what I, what I'm saying is that the um, in fact, Jed Hoover's name should no longer be on the FBI at all. I agree. The building, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But my, my point being yeah. is that the FBI put these files in front of Trump on the JFK assassination that contains surveillance files of Martin Luther King, which never should have seen the light of day. Right. Right. Never yeah. should have seen the light of day. But now that we've read them, they're right there. They're, they're pretty, it's not flattering. As, as I think many of our private lives would not be. Of course. If the FBI surreptitiously put a bug in your house and then that file was released to the government, you know, to the public. There's a reason you need a warrant for, for that stuff. Right. 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 So let's take a break. We'll be right back. 14. 14- So, welcome back to the show. We're closing out the the eight o'clock hour. We hit a lot of really good local stuff. We got a lot of good local calls um, on these issues. The Ward Three City Council race is something we're going to cover um, from end to end, from from now until well, really, for we were the from the time you done announced his resignation here in South Coast tonight, right to uh, February twenty eighth, the the general election. So, and we're going to have a definitely have a general election debate here. We're going to do all that. We want to because it's November 22nd. Talk about the Kennedy assassination. And Marcus, I do think also there's a lot of people out there who don't live in Ward 3 who this is going to stimulate 
the desire to run. Yes. Right? They say, geez, if I lived in Ward 3, I'd be running. Yeah. But I live in Ward 5, I live in Ward 6, I live I live somewhere else I want to run at large, yeah. whatever, right? Um, so I think this Ward 3 race is going to bring out more general election candidates in, in the fall. And depending the, on what Mitchell does, yes. this could open the opportunity for an at-large seat um, or award seat, depending on who jumps in the race. Because you, you're going to have to give up if one of the city councilors, you know, wants to run for, and they'd have to, all of them, be considered contenders because they're already city councilors. Right. For the mayoral race, then they're going to have to give up their, their council seat unless there's a special election. But um, so it might open up at-large seats. It might open up ward seats. It could uh, even open up a state rep or two. Could even open up a state rep or two. I mean, it's, it's amazing yeah. what could happen here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I could envision a scenario in which Mayor Mitchell leaves or decides he's not uh, leaves or decides he's not going to seek another term, and then uh, you know Tony Cabral runs, right. and then that seat's open, and then you can ha you could have got you, most of those city councilors are in in that district, right? Because it, you know it's like Ward Six, Five, parts of Four, and all that, so the, a lot of them are there and, and are, would be contenders. Let me let me say this. I think Mark Montigny would have to take a look at it. I don't know if he's interested in, in leaving the Senate and being the mayor, but I think, again, yeah. when something like that opens, yeah. it's a new challenge. It's uh, Being the mayor is not, is a much broader power than being a senator or being a rep. Yeah. Um, the rep to mayor thing happens a lot. Yes. Uh, Paul Haro, uh, Marty Walsh. Uh, um, yep. Um, uh, up up on, on the North Shore in Lynn, you have... Um, the uh, the um, the reps up there. Uh, Cabral, Cabral obviously did run once, yes. so it's a, it's a very common thing. Hey, listen, oh, we, Bob Career and Forever, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, Ed Lambert, I think. Yeah, Ed yeah. Lambert. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna take this uh, news break, and then we'll be back. This is South Coast tonight. We're gonna talk Kennedy assassination. So call in.